Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. I want to welcome you joining us online as well here. You can also go to the app. We have a VLC app. If you don't know that, you can download it. So if you're at home, you can follow us along with the outline. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're still going through the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, just before we do that, I don't do this to brown those, but I also want to recognize Reuben. Reuben, raise your hand up there. You can't see him. He's a little, see, he, he's a little smiley, guys. <laughs> He helped out with the good food. You know, what's a good fellowship without good food? It was Cuban food. And so we were blessed. And, and so many others helped us in enjoying a great time yesterday. We had some pickleball winners yesterday, but I still, I stayed out. I, I didn't play pickleball with them because, you know, I, as, as when, when, when you're in my house, I always want someone else to win. Either that, either that or I've been lying to you the whole time and I really don't play that well. So thank you guys for what a wonderful day it was. When guys get together, wow, I think the enemy is frightened. When guys get together and fellowship and commune with the Lord, I believe he shudders. So remember, we're here today to honor him. It's not about the band. It's not about me. It's not about you. In, in fact, I, I wish we could actually not ask God for anything this morning. Just say, God, I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to open up my mind, I'm going to open up my mouth, and we want to worship and adore you. Speak to us, please, through your word. Draw us close to you so we can enjoy you, Lord. Don't you want to enjoy God, enjoy Jesus, amen? So let's look at the passage found in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Again, continuing our Sermon on the Mount series. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word this morning. I've entitled this message, Foolproof Investments. Foolproof Investment. I don't know about you, for the times that we're living in, I've been searching everywhere and asking everyone, where, where is a safe investment? Foolproof investment. And by the way, the message is not about money only at all. I remember when Bernie Madoff, how many remember Bernie Madoff? He, he, took, he made off with over $64 billion of people's money because he promised them a foolproof investment. If you invest in me, and, and, he, and he guaranteed them a greater return than anyone else could give, at least 20% or more. Everything was going along smoothly 
until 2007 and eight hits. And then people wanted to pull their money out, just like I have taken a, little, a, bit, a bit of the resources I've had, and I've set them on the sidelines right now, temporarily. Well, <laughs> a lot of other people decided to do that all at once with Bernie Madoff, and he was found out. It wasn't a foolproof investment at all. You know, some people think gold right now is a foolproof investment. Everywhere I go, everyone says invest in gold and silver, and, and it could be true. It could be true. But you know, the Bible actually teaches us that's not a foolproof investment. In fact, in Ezekiel 7, 19, he tells us in the end days, they will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be an unclean thing. Their silver and gold will not be able to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. They will not satisfy their hunger or fill their stomach with it, for it has made them stumble into sin. Really, there is no foolproof investment, except maybe in death and taxes. If you're in the death business, that's a good business to be in because everyone is going to die. And after this, the judgment and taxes. Well, in, as we make our way through chapter 6 of the book of Matthew, <clears throat> You'll notice that it's really, the religious leaders were all about show. At least it seemed that way, and Jesus taught us that. Don't do your religion for show. And so he begins in chapter 6, and he tells us about the person that wanted to show off given to the needy. He wanted everyone to know, look what I'm giving to those who are in need. See, he's speaking about the heart. He wants your heart. And then, and then he talked about the person that when he prayed. Some people never pray in the church, and then you ask them to pray out loud, and then they pray too long, and they pray out loud, and they pray as if that's all they ever do when they never really pray at all. He said, I, I don't want that kind of prayer warrior. That's, that's the, not the person I'm interested in listening to because it's all about you. And then he talked about the person that fasted. You ever heard someone tell you, I'm fasting? And they walk around like this. When they walk with their stomach in like this, I haven't eaten for days. And they do it to show off. So you see, it's not that God is trying to make you mad, but he's saying, whatever you do, you're doing it for me. Or are you doing it for me? Hmm. And then also people that give. They give for themselves. Their treasure is in this earth only. So I want to encourage you this morning about a foolproof investment. So let's look at, first of all, where to invest. As we're looking at that, I want to remind you what I believe Jesus is not saying so you don't turn me off or turn him off. Here's what he's not saying when he said, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. What is he saying? Well, he's not saying don't work. In, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, the scripture reads, for even when we were with you, we gave this rule. If a man will not work, what? Boy, I need to make a little note and send a little text to our government officials. Now, we're not talking about those who really in need. We're, 
Listen, there are people in need, and we exist also to help the needy. But there are a lot of people that, and, and we're in the situation right now, is because we're given to people that are not working. He also says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. He's saying work as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If you have that attitude, it will change your attitude where you go to work at every day. So God's not saying when you invest, don't invest in a business or don't work hard and not be able to save. That's the second thing I want to remind you of. He's not saying do not save and give up all your money to the church. I'm not saying that. You never, you'll never hear that from me. This is not a name it and claim it, nor is this a prosperity gospel church. But he did say in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance. You thought just for your children. God, this is a hard task for your children's children. That means my grandchildren I'm supposed to leave an inheritance for. So he's not saying don't save any money. So don't hear God say that. Work hard, save money. And yes, there should be some planning that you and me should do also. He's not saying sit around and twiddle your fingers and thumbs. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 reminds us, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. God wants us to do these things, but it's kind of like getting the cart before the horse ever since we've been a child. What are you going to do when you get bigger? Then you, you have a family, and then are you going to grow a big business, and you want a bigger house, and you want a car, and you, you want all these things, and, and that's what's communicated to you from the time you're a child. And then even when you're in college and when you first get married, you have all these people, investors, saying, spend your money. No. Yes, spend your money and invest your money. How can you do both of those at the same time? They're always wanting your money, either out there in the commercial market, or they're wanting your money so they can make money off of you. But isn't it amazing? They're asking you to invest money for that small period of time in your life that you may live. So from the time you're a child, they're, they're, think, they're causing you to think about this life, investing in this life, have a career, get married, invest in the bank, or invest in the stock market. And those things are okay. But that's getting the cart before the horse is what God is teaching us in this passage. What is he saying? You see, if in this life all you end up with is stuff and that's all you have when you die and you don't know where you're going, you will be in big trouble. And by the way, you can't take it with you. When's the last time you saw a hurt hauling a U-Haul to the grave? You can't take it with you. That's what he's trying to teach us in this passage. It's common sense. He's basically telling us and reminding us. What is he saying? Don't invest here on earth. Don't let that be where your treasure is, where your passion is. In verse 19, he tells us, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So what kind of treasures and investments do we actually store up on this earth? Well, 
memorabilia. I have some things in my drawer uh, uh, of people. I have a, a baseball that was given to me from Tim Tebow. You know, he's my favorite fan. I haven't mentioned him in a while, have I? He's not in the news that much anymore. Um, I have some stuff uh, that in, my, in my house that's uh, some memorabilia. So people invest in those things. They invest in antiques, antique cars, rare coins. Does anybody have any rare coins? I think I have an 1888 coin, a rare coin. How about clothes? Oh, my goodness. I go to your houses and you... When we were little, we didn't really have any closets. Now, closets have become rooms in most people's homes. And you have to have yours and she has to have hers. And then little her and little he has to have theirs also. And what about many houses? How about we invest in ourselves? We can overinvest in our kids. And I want to be careful on this, but you can overinvest your kids and miss out on the kingdom of God. Remember, he said, I must come before your children. I must come before your spouse. I must come before yourself. You see, he's saying, don't get the cart before the horse. I already told you, he's not saying, don't save, don't plan, don't work. But don't get the cart before the horse. I I think about those who have dolphin mania, although we may not have many dolphin fans left. But I think about it. They live, they live for the weekend. I mean, they talk about it all week long. They, they, they review the videos over and over again. I, I go to the barbershop. That's all they're talking about. I mean, it, it's their lives. They live for the tailgate party. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if that's what you live for, if, that, if that's where your passion is, if that's where your time and resources go to, then that's, what, that's who Jesus is speaking to. Well, those are some of the things that we can invest in. But why don't, or why shouldn't we invest on things on this earth? Well, verse 19b tells us why. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. So if we invest in the earth, here's what God says will happen with those investments. Now, we're not too familiar with the kind of the moth that kind of corrupts your clothes and your clothing. The people in the Old Testament were more familiar with this than you and I are. But listen, they could corrupt the clothes that you have. As you know, rust can, can uh, ruin anything and everything. I know we, just, we, we got a ping pong table, an outdoor ping pong table at our house. You know, I grew up with five other brothers, so we any kind of sport we loved. But anyways, we had one during the um, covid and all of a sudden, my legs started rusting. Now, this is an outdoor ping pong table. They should have said it was an indoor ping pong table. I had to throw it away two weeks ago. Then we have an outdoor patio table. Guess what rust? Its legs rust. I thought it was an outdoor patio. It wasn't, come to find out. So God is saying the things that you invest in on, on this earth will rust away. And what about thieves? Have you Ever had anybody break in your home or steal from you? Well, there's more than one way to steal today. As you know, there are identity thieves that can steal your personal information, directly or indirectly. Stealing your wallets and purses containing identification cards, credit cards, and bank information. Stealing your mail, including credit and bank statements, phone or utility bills, new checks and tax information. There's all kinds of thieves out there. God is saying, that's another reason why I don't want you to vest on this earth. What about the government? They'll really take what you have and mess it up. Listen, 
There was a stock market crash. Most of you probably were probably living then, right? October 1929. Anybody living back then? No, I'm not that old. Oh, there was one, one person over there. 1929, depression began in the U.S. and spread throughout the world. Rich folks were made poor overnight. People were committing suicide and jobs became scarce. In Chicago, a crowd of men fought over a barrel of garbage. 13 million were unemployed by the end of 1932. Children left school to support their families while many of their fathers were unemployed, having no choice but to be supported by substandard pay earned by their young children. Hmm. Fast forward to today. According to a Wall Street Journal, COVID-19's toll on the United States businesses, 200,000 extra closures in the pandemic in the first year. Fortune magazine said nearly 100,000 establishments that temporarily shut down due to the pandemic are now out of business. You may not know this, but there are over 30 million small businesses in the United States. Do you know how many businesses have been closed because the government decided who would be open and who would be closed? Nine million businesses will be shut down permanently because the government decided who or what kind of people could stay open or closed. You see, I don't get my marching orders from the government. It's not being political. I get my marching orders from the Word of God. Amen? They decided who would be rich and who would be poor. I mean, you got a few people in a business, the chance of them getting COVID is slim to none, and yet you have these big old stores open, and they're not going to get COVID? Hmm, go figure that. Now, according to Bloomberg, the billionaire index, it said of the world's 500 richest people have lost an, estimate, an estimation of $1.3 trillion since the start of this year. U.S. lost 500,000 millionaires as the result of the coronavirus. Meanwhile, there are over 10 million jobs available in the United States of America. But because the government wants to fund people who do not work, we cannot find workers. I brought this up only because, again, you can invest all you want on this earth, but the government can take it away just like that. What about death? What about death? You don't know when you're going to die. Or you may have a little bit right now, and maybe none of those things will affect you, but something else might get you. In Luke 12, we have the parable of the rich fool. By the way, I like what uh, Pastor Scott said yesterday. If you make 36000 or more, you're in the 1% of the richest people in the world. According to what he taught us yesterday, we are very wealthy people compared to most people in the world. So this applies to everyone in this room. So here's the parable of the rich fool found in Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I see more family feuds and heard about more family feuds over inheritance. That's why I'm not leaving anything to my children. I care about the peace in my family. <laughs> so don't look for me to kick the bucket too early, Jacob. Jesus replied, 
man, who appointed me judge or arbitrator between you? Then he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, but that's how we measure everyone. And he told them the parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones or I'll store up my money. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself. That's the key. But is not rich toward God. Hmm. He made no preparation for death. No preparation for eternity. Only preparation for this life. God warns us about that in James chapter 4. When he said, now listen, you businessmen, businesswomen, moms and dads, even teenagers. You who say today and tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You don't even know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. That's another reason why you do not invest in this earth. Because something might get you. Here's one more I thought of. Someone else will get it all. Solomon talked a lot about this, and so does Proverbs 13, 22. I already read part of this verse, but I didn't finish it. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner, a lost person who's made no provision for this afterlife, he's going to leave all his wealth. It's going to be stored up for the righteous people. That means those who are sinners, when they die, that wealth will be going to righteous people. All these are some reasons why we do not invest on this earth. What are we to invest in? What should we invest in? Or why should we invest in heaven? <laughs> you want a foolproof investment? There's no stealing going on in heaven. There's no corruption. And by the way, rewards are given in heaven. Revelation 22 reminds us of this. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. But let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. He said, behold, I am coming soon and my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So we are to store up treasures in heaven. Why? Because 
All the things that can happen on earth will not happen if you store those things up in heaven. Now, so you might be asking yourself, now how in the world do I store up things in heaven? You might be asking yourself. First of all, think about Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Too many of us, through our eyes, we, we look at everything. We want more, more, more. That's where our passion is. That's where our values are. So he's warning us, put your mind on things above, not on things here below. They will never satisfy. So how do I invest in heaven? It begins by investing in eternity. See, you thought it was just about money, and it's not. Matthew 16 reminds us of this investment, this foolproof investment. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The world does not understand this passage, but you and me understand it. They think this is all there is to life. And they're not investing in eternity at all. They're not thinking about this. What if I do gain everything? If I have many houses and many cars and many boats and much money in the bank, what if I had all that? Well, you're going to die. And you're going to leave it to someone else. So the first thing you do is to invest in yourself. If there's ever a time to be selfish, now's the time to go, okay, I've got something I need, something I want, and that is I want to go to heaven. You ask most people, do you want to go to hell? And you know what they're going to say? No. They want to go to heaven. So the first thing you can do is begin to think about investing in eternity. I used to tell people I'm in the real estate business. I'm in the kingdom reality. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. So I tell people I'm in the kingdom business. I got a mansion for you. I can sell it. In fact, boy, I'm telling you, you don't even have to pay anything for it. It's already been paid in full. I'm in the kingdom business. Start talking that way when you meet people. What about your time or your work? You can invest in your work, and it can count for eternity. Just think about business, uh, businesses that are owned by Christian men and women. Of course, since we're all familiar with it, Chick-fil-A or something like that. They're not thinking, I want, if you're thinking, young teenager or young adult, all I want is to make money, money, money. You're going to be a miserable person in the work that you do the rest of your life, if that's how you think. Instead, you should go with how God hardwired you. He wired you to do something on this earth so you could contribute to the, the human community. And he also hardwired you to those who believe in God so that you could do something in the community of believers also. And so your work can count. I always bring up my favorite fan. Who is he? Tim Tebow. Okay. I know he's, he's kind of old hat by now, but he's going to pop up somewhere again. But I, I like something he said that stuck with me for a long time. He said, my work, my job is only a platform 
to communicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It reminds me of the guy that went around, and you may have heard this before, to a construction site. And he looked at three workers. And he went up to the one guy who was mixing mortar. How many of us have done that while we went to college? He said, what are you doing? Well, can't, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm, I'm making cement. He went to another guy. He watched what he was doing. He said, so what are you doing? He said, I'm making bricks. Well, we, we don't do that anymore. But in the biblical times, I did that. He went to another guy and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building an edifice to God. He looked at his work as a way to honor God. You see, I'm not a pastor trying to get you down at this church building three or four days a week to build my empire. See, I know most of the work that goes on is out there. Your job is a place for you to honor God or dishonor him. And you can be rewarded if you will do your work unto the Lord. See, you didn't think I would talk about something like that. So you're investing in your work. I remember going to my first job. And my first job after I got saved was, was taking doors and putting frames on them. And I watched this man, how many doors he did. And so I wanted, I'm a competitor, so if he built three doors, I wanted to build five doors. And, and that way I could walk around and tell everyone about Jesus. I, was, I wanted to communicate Jesus to anybody that would listen. And even if they didn't listen, I put them up against the wall and said, you need Jesus in your life. I have actually done that before. And, and I got fired for it. I thought it was my job to win the world. But, but, but what I understood is I needed to shine for Jesus on that job. And there was, let me tell you, I had more opportunities out there, honestly, than I do in the church because I'm around a lot of believers. I love being around lost people because I knew that's why God left you and me on this earth, to be salt and light. That's one of the main thrusts of the Sermon on the Mount. So, Invest in your job. Okay, God, I want to store up some treasures in the kingdom of God. How can I do that through my job? Even if you're not in charge, I always like what John Maxwell taught. Even if you have a lousy boss, shine in the middle of the pack for the glory of God, and everyone will notice. Colossians 3.23 reminds us of this fact again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. How many, you know, the boss is gone. <laughs> now it's time to relax. It's kind of like driving down this road. And I always like turning down this lane. And, and when I attempt, it's one of the few times I don't want to go first. Because it's only 25 miles an hour down Old Hiatus Road. I have to go all the way to Sunrise. It seems like it's five miles long to get all the way down there at 25 miles an hour. But what I do like is for somebody to go ahead of me, because most of the time, 95% of them never go 25 miles an hour. They go 40, and I follow behind them so that they'll get the ticket, and I won't get it. See, when the cops are not around, I'll do what I want, sort of speaking. That's what God's teaching us. When you go to work, even if the boss is there or not there, do it for the glory of God. That counts. Listen, that's eight hours a day. You don't work and then, oh, I'm going to go serve the Lord. No, you serve the Lord at your work. You serve God. See, you'll hear that kind of preaching at this church. 
How about souls? See, that's something that we forget about. It isn't just for me as a preacher because I got a big mouth and I can cheer. It's for even the most timid person in this room. You see, God left you on earth. He has saved you. So what are you going to do? Be arrogant and proud? And, oh, I'm saved. I'm all right. Forget about you guys. Actually, when you get saved, it's the best time to invite all your friends into your house and invite one of us over to do a small group study. Because that's when you're going to know the most lost people, right when you get saved. After you get saved, you want to start hanging around believers. And so what about souls? Proverbs 11.30 helps us understand this investment. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He who wins souls is wise. Now, I want to say something to you about this. Okay, God may use people like Billy Graham. And he may use someone like myself who it it seems easy for me to share my faith. But remember, you have a part in every soul that gets saved if you do something that honors God. For example, we have our children over there and the children's uh, children over there and we have adults serving. If anything happens in your heart or mind and you go home and your marriage is repaired or you repent of your sins or you get saved or you're baptized, they have a role in what happens here or what happens to you out there. Do you understand that? So don't think just because you're the person that actually gets someone to pray that you're the soul winner. Everybody at, when you give and you're faithful to your giving, that helps out. But God wants you to invest in the kingdom of God by investing in souls that it begin with your family and then let it begin with your coworkers and then your neighborhood people, but invest in souls. How do you do that? By begin praying for them. How do you do that? Inviting them over, caring about them. You understand they're going to spend eternity somewhere. Do you actually even care for those people that will spend eternity in hell? I cannot get out of my mind driving down the road and watching people on Sunday jogging and going, not because Sunday, they, they, could, wor- they could have worshiped God on another day. But overall, you realize those people that are jogging, bike riding on a Sunday, most likely most of them are not attending a Bible study somewhere. They're putting their bodies, they're investing in their bodies first. It's not wrong to invest in your body, but that's, they're getting the cart before the horse. They're getting the cart before the horse. What about helping the poor? Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount tells us another way we can invest in the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean people just standing on the road begging for money. It says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, that doesn't mean if one of you has a need, it doesn't mean I want you to know I care for you. And if there is a great need, I know sometimes we have those um, GoFundMe. And there is a temptation at times to say, okay, I don't want that person to know I'm going to give. But on the other hand, that person may be saying, wow, he's a preacher and he doesn't care about me at all. So he's not talking about the genuineness of your heart going, I want this family to know I care about him, and I want to join with other people that are giving to this GoFundMe family that's in need. He's not talking about that. He's talking about those who want recognition, 
whose hearts are not right. Their motivation is not right for their giving. That's who he's talking about in this particular chapter. So we're going to probably be in a predicament in a pickle this year and next year if things continue the way they're going. All the more need why you need to invest in the kingdom of God now while you have a chance. Because everything could be taken away. And I'm, I'm not spelling doom and gloom, guys. But if you aren't looking at end times and what could be happening, then you're sticking your head in the sand like the proverbial ostrich. And you don't know what's going on around you. But there's a lot of things happening. And a lot of things could be taken away from us very quickly. Invest in the kingdom of God while you have a chance. Financially. Oh, we finally got around the finances. First Corinthians tells us, yes, it does involve money. You know, last week we talked about lust and adultery. Over 70% of the church people have struggled with lust or adultery. Praise God for forgiveness. Praise God for mercy. Praise God for grace. It's one of the things you hear from this, this pulpit is the grace and mercy of God and the forgiveness of God. And he, as, as, high as, as high as the sky is above the earth, so is the love and mercy of God to those that love him and fear him. Amen? We used to say that to our spouses and, and barely meant half of it. God means it. He loves us as high as the heavens are above the earth. I love to meditate on that at times. So is his love for those who fear him and serve him. But men struggle not only with lust, but they struggle with their pocketbook. That's mine. I worked hard for it. It's none of yours, God. God wants to tell you, I own everything. It is mine. And like the rich man, when I tell you time's up, it's up. It's mine. So why don't you just give back to me what's already mine? I just want a portion of it. Why do I want a portion of it? I don't need it. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, God said. I don't need it, but it's proof. It's proof you love me. It's the evidence. Look in the garden. They gave out of their work to prove they love God. That was their act of worship. They didn't have musical instruments around. There was no building to attend. The heavens were their canopy, and they gave to God out of what he gave them to do. And 1 Corinthians 6, 2 reminds us, on the first day, of, and we're not legalist about this, but on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so when I come, collections will, will be made. So God taught us in the Old Testament, New Testament, we're, I know we're not under the law, but because we're under the law and Jesus died for us, we go, okay, I don't have to give anymore. Well, you don't have to do anything. You really don't. God said he loves a, chill, a, a cheerful giver. But before that, he says in Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. It's all his. But it, it, it's just that you were, listen, if, if you did a good job in your business, that's good. You were a good steward of what God's given you. You were a good steward. Now you give back to God. You may be able to give more than other people. But remember the woman that Christ taught us about that gave a little mite, a penny, compared to all the money that these big shots were throwing in into the plate. He said that woman gave more than all those rich men gave. 
because she gave all that she had left to God. They gave out of their abundance. So remember, when you think, woman, on Social Security or dad, and you're given $10 or $20 because that's all you can give, God sees that. He will bless you, and he will honor you for that. But he wants us to be generous in 2 Corinthians 9. So if, so if we throw tithe out the window, remember the Old Testament is a guideline. He did say this. Whoever sows sparingly, and this, this doesn't just involve money, could involve forgiveness, could involve mercy, could involve a lot of things besides money, but it does include money. Those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly. Oh, i got to give or the preacher's asking me to give. Listen, we don't want your money if you don't want to give. This is a debt-free church, not because we have rich people in here, but because God laid on my heart, I don't want this church to be about money. And so, therefore, this church is debt-free because he made it possible. But God wants your pocketbook. He wants to own you, and he wants to own everything that you think is yours. He wants you to be a generous giver. Now, remember this. God loves a true forgiver, and God is able to make all grace that means unmerited favor, that means gifts abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is a test of your faith. Do I actually believe in eternity? Do I actually believe there's a heaven after this life? Then if you believe that, you will invest in the kingdom of God. One more thing about money. It's amazing how we'll tip our waiter or our waitress 20%. And then give God $5. Think about that. Do you really, really believe what I've just taught you in the word of God? Well, where do we look at to invest? I just gave you some of those things. Investments really reveal the heart. Investments reveal the heart. Notice Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It will prove, number one, I either love this life more than anything else because I'm investing everything on this earth. Kind of reminds me of another passage in Scripture, the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Do you live for the Lord Jesus Christ, or do you live for yourself? Invest in the kingdom of God, or are you investing in this life? Your investments say, I love God more than anything else, that you love God with all your heart, your heart and affection are, listen, I, you and me all have things, but what he's talking about, again, is not getting the cart before the horse. Are you investing in the kingdom of God? That means beginning with your children. I had no idea how long my children would live. So the passion from the very beginning, when they were born, I wanted my children to know the Lord Jesus Christ because I had no idea when God would call them home. 
Some of you are all too familiar with that story, whether it's a child in the womb, a young child, or you know someone with a young child, a young teenager, a young adult. God has called them home. So why in the world would you teach your child about investing in school, in education, in a career, in a marriage, and not tell them about the things of God? That's what he's teaching us. Where is your heart? I want my kid to be a doctor. I want my kid to be an astronaut. That's what it was when I was a kid. Or I want them to be a fire engine. Yes, I didn't misquote. What are you going to be when you get bigger? I want to be a fire truck. That's what some of the kids would say. Why would we tell them to invest in all these things from the time they're born to the time they leave home? And then we pass off the baton to the people of the world. Invest in me. Invest in this life. Invest in things. And they're marketing towards you all the time to where you'll never be happy and never tell them about investing in the kingdom of God. So the investment tells you where your passion is, where your eye is, where your heart is at. Are you interested in the things of God? In your purchases, your time. Remember I told you, yes, your job counts. But what about the church? Is the church chopped liver? Jesus said, I gave my life for the church. He said, don't forsake the gathering of God's people. As some of you are in the habit of doing. But even more, as you see the second coming on the horizon, get together often. I'm giving you the paraphrase translation. It proves where your heart is. Let me tell you something. I want to be around God's people rather than the people in the world. When I go play pickleball, all I hear is foreign language out there. They're speaking in tongues compared to what I know. <laughs> I tell them all the time, I hear more about Jesus and God out here than I do in the church. Jesus, God, Jesus, God, Jesus, God. I want to go, ho, ho, ho. I mean, you know what I'm talking about on the construction sites. You must be religious, huh? Try that on them. It does say something about who you are your time, your purchases, your possessions, and your checkbook. Hmm, your checkbook. Okay, enough about that as we're winding down. Investments reveal your real master. Two masters. This is what Jesus ended up saying after talking about giving to the poor, showing off, praying, showing off, fasting, showing off, and then you could care less about spiritual things because you're all about yourself. All you're doing is investing in yourself. He ends up telling us this in Matthew 6, 24. Many have tried it. Many believers have tried it. No one can serve two masters. He either, he either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Even your career. I remember not wanting my earnings to come from you. So I said, God, I'll, I'll sell insurance. I tried acting for a short period of time. And I remember God saying, no, here's what I want you to do with your life full time. This is what I want you to do. I tried to do both. I tried to juggle both. But the more I tried acting, first of all, when you got into acting, they didn't tell you what the movie was rated. So they, I could be casting for a part that um, 
could be a very, a very vile movie. And when I got saved, I stopped going to a lot of movies. There's some good movies out there, but I basically shut down the media and the music of the world for the most part, okay? Again, I'm not telling you can't see anything. You know there's some good movies out there, and you know there's some good music out there, right? But a lot of it's garbage. Would you admit that? Amen? So I turned a lot of that off. And, and, but you try to juggle both. Even if you listen, to, come on, if you listen to a lot of worldly music, I'm on the highway to hell. I mean, I mean I, the music was cool, but you listen to the lyrics. It, it leads you astray. Even, I like country music. My wife's from the country. But a lot of the country music is about seeming like I'm getting drunk and I'm with an old lady. And, and, and it, 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 that's just all it seems to talk about. And my, and my sexy tractor. I mean, can, a tractor sexy? My, I, I live in a... So, so the more you turn the world off, the more you invest in the kingdom of God. And the more you'll invest in Christian artists. Again, it, it reveals your heart. No one had to come and tell me, I don't want you to watch these movies because Jesus was in my heart. I go, huh, I don't like that. It, I'm uncomfortable with that. Even all the Westerns, I love Westerns. How many like Westerns? You know, shoot them up, cowboys. I started feeling convicted. Even martial arts. I, I love to, you know, I don't, I, mean, I don't love the box. I'm nobody tough, but I mean, I like stuff like I came from a family of five other brothers. You know, I wanted to be macho. But the more I started watching these movies of people killing one another, I started feeling uncomfortable. We're made in the image of God. Then why do we, why do we get so excited about people killing one another? And so I started watching less and less of the movies. If you watch the old, old um, cowboy movies, they don't really show the blood and the guts. You just hear a bang and a pop and someone fall over and keel over, okay? You have permission to watch those movies. <laughs> but when I saw Dirty Harry, I said, oh, I can't watch that movie when he said, okay, I lost counts. Is it five or six bullets I had in my gun? You remember that? And when I started watching those, I go, ooh, I, I just began to, it's because the Spirit of God is in you. You don't want to invest in, in the things of this life. See, what the eye takes in, then that becomes your passion. And God warns us of that. He, wa he wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's what he's looking for. Love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You can do that. Just think about your spouse and your children. You always have a hard time when we communicate with God, so I try to understand it from a human, human point of view. You love your spouse. No, I'm not perfect toward my spouse. I regret all the times that I failed my spouse. But I love her. You love your spouse. You regret the times that you failed your spouse, but you love your spouse. You love your children. You haven't done your children perfectly. Sometimes they got a pat on when they didn't deserve it. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And you love God even though at times you have failed him. I know you love God. Invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in souls. Invest in missionaries, invest in the church, invest in your work. That's foolproof investment that God guarantees you will be rewarded for. He said, for you have been faithful, get this, in a few things, I will make you ruler of many things. I pray today that you understand what God is saying. It's okay to have a little money in the bank. It, listen, 
I've even asked God now, if you want what I have in the bank right now, um, go ahead and tell me now so I can get rid of it and get credit for it. Honestly, I've thought about that. I'm not lying to you at all. If God laid on my heart in a dream, in a vision, I've not had any dreams or vision, but I still believe they can happen. Ron, I I want you to do this. It's yours, God, whatever you tell me. And sometimes I get a little scared telling you this. Why? Why? He might ask me to do it. And you may be the recipient of it. And then I'm going to come live with you. So you might be saying, God, no, please. Don't tell him that innovation. But everything, I I like what Corey Ten Boom said, who was a part of the Auschwitz camps. She said, I learned not to hold things so tightly that God has to pry my fingers loose to get at what is his already. It's God's. Does he have you? Would you stand at this time, please, with me? If you don't know Jesus, the creator of the world, he was present at creation, he is willing to forgive you of your sin. He said, if you put your faith in me alone, I will save you. In me alone, not in what you've done, I will save you. Then you follow through with baptism. We're having baptism next, is it next week? Oh, no. November 7th, I'm sorry, November 7th. We got baptized out there yesterday when we were playing volleyball and pickleball, and we had the men's, the rain came pouring down. But November 7th, if you're a person that has believed in Jesus Christ, let us know. If you're online, you're looking in online, write in the tag section, make in the comment section, and let us know that you've made this decision. for. I, I want to follow Jesus. I would almost love for us to sing that. I can't do that because we have a lot of preparation in what we did, but I love that song, I Will Follow Jesus, right? I surrender all. Will you do that today? If you do that, he will save you right where you're at and forgive you of your sins. Will you make a commitment today? God, I'm going to start investing in the kingdom of God with my spouse first, your spouse. You can tell everybody in the world that you love Jesus Christ. But if your spouse doesn't believe you, your testimony is dirt. If your children don't believe you love Christ, your testimony is dirt. If where you go to work at, they don't know, then your testimony is dirt. Start investing in your family, in your job, in your community. That's where 95% of the work is done for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you invest in the kingdom of God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will water and fertilize what we talked about so that when we walk out the door, it won't just be another sermon, Lord. I pray that we'll begin to invest in the kingdom of God while we have time. For we realize time is not an eternity. I pray that if someone doesn't know you as Savior, that the power of the Holy Spirit that convicted most of us of sin, that you will convict them of their lostness of eternity and hell forever and ever and ever. Now they have a chance to begin investing in the kingdom of God by asking you to save them right now. I pray, Father, that you'll pester them, bother them, till they say, yes, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. God, add blessings to the reading of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, 
everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.